Welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF Research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. In this episode, we'll be discussing the fourth in our list of top 10 traits for world-class customer experience. Focusing on the priorities for improvement. And this is a really, really important one. I think probably all 10 of them are quite important. But if I had to pick a bronze, silver, gold, this would definitely be up there challenging. I'm sure you've already said that at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this one, so much, because the temptation when a set of results comes out, particularly where there's lots and lots of customer comments and you've got an enthusiastic client who really wants to do these things better, is they just spread the resources so thin, they latch onto single comments, they latch onto individual scores and the problem is that resources whether that's time money effort are just spread so thinly that either nothing happens nothing does change or certainly nothing's perceived to change whereas we know the organizations who are really good at driving this up do focus on two perhaps three priorities for improvement but really do do things on them that makes a difference and have that mindset, you know, well, why am I focusing on something else when I know this is where I'll get the biggest return or something like bangs and books here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the you, made, well, you made lots of good points in that, in that little uh, sort of monologue. But um, the one that I think is really interesting is that that thing about noticing change. So I think both for customers and within the business, one of the really important things about focusing on a, on a small number of priorities for improvement, to, to use our sort of jargon, yeah. is that by focusing, you achieve, you achieve you know, visible change in a small number of things. Uh, and that, that helps to kind of get that feeling of momentum. We've, yeah. we've actually done something here and customers are much more likely to notice it. And that kind of kickstarts the, the sort of virtuous cycle of improvement. Absolutely, yeah. How many... Um Priorities for improvement, do you think organisations can handle? It's funny that, because I've just written a question for you, which is how many priorities for improvement do you think is the right number? Um, I, and it does vary. We tend to go for somewhere around three. My sort of follow-up question for you, uh, which I think is a bit relevant, is is does it relate to the structure of the organisation? Does it, does it relate to, you know, the departments or, the, you know, the, the responsibilities you've got sat around the board table? Oh, I... Absolutely, and I think it also relates to the to the magnitude of the priorities for improvement. Usually, particularly if we've done our job well, there is a quick win in there. Hmm. Um, perhaps something as easy as quick as we don't need to change anything. We just need to tell customers that indeed we do open at these hours, or we do offer this service, or we can do that. Hmm. So that really can be quite a quick win because we don't need to do anything other than communicate to customers where the perhaps is a misunderstanding in the perception is 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 reality situation. I've noticed people tend to go for too many rather than too few priorities for improvement, um, which sort of goes against the phrase priorities. Mm. Um, so I think that can be a danger because there is a lot of enthusiasm and a desire to do things to do things better. And I think that can be a danger in terms of in terms of what you're saying. Definitely, and and it's it's really easy to, it, well, it, what I've found over the years quite often is you know we'll say oh, I should have 
you know, small, let's say three PFIs, priorities for improvement, uh, and try and restrain the client from in their enthusiasm wanting to have 10. Mm. But then they end up going back to 10 by shoving three, three things together and saying, <laughs> well, there's product quality and product reliability and... And, and product range. Yeah, so let's, they're kind of all to do with product, so let's call that the product. Yeah, that's, that's not really a single PFI anymore, is it? No, no, not not <laughs> not, not at all. And, and it's, it's hard because you do want to get that focus because this is about getting customers to notice you know, to, you know, to notice a difference, let alone all the communication that you're probably going to do um, to, to support this. In terms of one of the other things when it comes to selecting priorities for improvement, I think you've really got to know the organisation or the client well. And I think this is the moment when us as external consultants, researchers, really make the difference or can make the difference with our client contact because it needs to be a sensible choice of priorities for improvement and it needs to be something that's actionable and often the organization might already be addressing something in that area because they've previously realized there is a problem with deliveries or whatever so there are some ongoing action plans and even if it might not be one of the top two or three priorities for improvement you can say, well, hold on, it probably might have come in at fourth or fifth, but the fact you're doing something on this and there's some plans in place that we can add some qual and quant information to and we can give a different perspective on, yeah, let's definitely have this as one of them because it's better that some action is supported than something else is added to a list, an ever-growing list of number one priorities <laughs> for someone. I think, um, yeah, there, there is an element of pragmatism to it, I think, you know, our job is to say, well, this is this is what the customer survey says, but then, you know, that that's only what the customer survey says. That isn't necessarily strategically what the business uh, should do. You know, there, there is a conversation about that. Uh, I think, and you mentioned already, but that getting the right balance of quick wins and longer term things is also really important. Because I think, you know, from the momentum point of view, you need to be seen to be making a difference quickly. Yeah. Again, internally and externally. The trap there is to only ever do the quick wins. Yeah. Uh, so I think sometimes you need to say, you know, we do need to address, you know, the, the, the I don't know, logistics infrastructure or the IT system or you know, whatever the big elephant yeah. in the room is. It, it's about kind of getting a balance so you can do both. How often do you see with annual or tracker surveys the priorities for improvement altering year on year and year if you start thinking some of the clients you've worked with or you know five to ten years mm. do they change radically or do they tend to stay the same they, they very rarely change radically uh, i think where where it's working when you get into that sort of virtuous spiral of improvement you do see them moving uh, and i think one of my favourite things, I think, is when you can sit down in the final presentation with a client in sort of year three and, and say, you know, delivery, you know, on reliability deliveries, whatever it is, it shouldn't be a PFI this year because you've worked and worked and worked at it and it no longer needs to be a PFI. I think that's a really yeah. um, positive moment for us because, it, you know, it, that's our sort of validation that the whole process works and a really sort of positive moment for the client to say customers have noticed all our hard work. Yeah, I sometimes have it the other way where I found the research will bring out the same PFIs 
you know, even where the organisation sometimes has worked on it and customers mm. just haven't noticed yet, so it's not being reflected back in the scores or the comments. And that can be quite a, a little bit of a demoting bit in a presentation. So, oh, year three, we're still working on this, getting slightly less enthusiastic to do stuff on this now because I've done lots of stuff and customers you know, are saying the same things. That can happen. It certainly can happen. And I think that's, I know we've talked about this on a previous episode, I think one of the big differences between a relationship survey and event-driven survey is that lag you get with relationship surveys. Whereas, you know, it's not perfect, but broadly speaking, event-driven surveys reflect what you actually did to that customer, you know, recently on the event we're talking about. Yeah. Um, And I think that, one of the benefits event-driven research gives you is that it's it's in that respect fairer. Yeah. Um, so so it will respond to, to what you're actually doing now, uh, not what you were doing three years ago. It, I know we we'll talk about managing perceptions. We'll talk yeah. about yeah. Um, you know how how customer sort of attitudes and behaviours actually work, but it can be difficult if if you get that kind of if it's that slow to change. Yeah. I think one of the beauties of priorities for improvement is it, it is absolutely the focus it does provide. Because I think often when people set off in this process of a customer survey, yes, we want to do it for all the right reasons, we think, oh, it's going to be so difficult when the outcomes come because customers want everything for nothing and we're going to have to change this and we're going to have to change that. And I think when doing it in a professional, analytical way, we can actually say, well, do you know what? Do this first, this second, then this. Mm. Actually provides a, what? I don't need to change everything. I can actually do those mm-hmm. things and certainly make a difference on them if I don't need to do all this other stuff. Now, you know, you don't need to do all that stuff. Let's focus. And that can be quite a motivating um, moment in terms of allowing them, well, actually, that's under that director or that's under the other director. I'm realising there's no point pointing in a podcast now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Life is a learning experience. Um, But the motivation, I think, that can be really powerful, Mm. particularly at a senior level. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think one of the beauties, I think, of of our methodology is that because the priorities for improvement come really more or less directly from customers. So, you know, it's based on how important they said things were, how satisfied they said they were, um, some other bits and pieces of analysis. But what it isn't is us pontificating or yeah, being absolutely. management consultants. It's us translating, you know, this is what customers said. Yeah. Um, and, and that can really help remove some of the debates we talked about in the previous episode, because it, this isn't us, it's not my opinion. It, it's yeah. not because I'm an expert in running your business. This is what customers yeah. said. Completely, you know, I agree. I think I feel we've done an excellent job when we provide insight, particularly if that's actionable. And it's one of the things that you know, I think we've all learned doing this job, is you have your own little theories on everything. And what research is really good at is confirming or not confirming your own little theories. And when you've interviewed so many hundred customers, it's just easier to say, and this is what all those customers think, whether I think like them or not, is totally irrelevant in, in that. So just a little bit in terms of these PFIs, Priorities for Improvement, everyone loves the TLA. Um, what do you tend to typically take into account when you put, when you select your priorities mm. for improvement? You mentioned a couple of things there, but, but what sort of is on your radar and is that 
consistently the same or, or, or different? It's broadly consistently. The starting point is consistently the same, yeah. So, yeah, the, the core of our methodology that, you know, if you, if you had to break it down to the very, very simplest foundations, it's importance versus satisfaction, doing best what matters most to customers. Yeah. And that re remains true, uh, but then there are lots and lots of layers of nuance to add on to that. Um, and I'd, I'd say broadly speaking, you know, importance minus satisfaction to figure out the gaps and then look at what's important, look at where the big gaps are. That works brilliantly until you're really quite good. Yeah, really very relevant bottom half of league table. Yeah. yeah, you can clearly identify if you're causing dissatisfaction is something that's important. That's got to be a priority. That just has to be yeah. a priority. And it really is a no-brainer, isn't it? it yeah. In the bottom half of the lead table, chances are you're significantly letting customers down on some core business stuff. You know What you do, you are not always doing very well, uh, and that's not okay. It, it, is, it does get more subtle towards the top, and that's where you more need to look at things like you know, impact or key driver analysis or derived importance, call it what you will, um, and we'll discuss that in a in a in a upcoming episode. Um, you might also look at you know links to loyalty. You might look at you know how much of a quick win is this? It, does it yeah. look, look to be an expensive long term thing or a cheap short term thing? Yeah, um, I sometimes find benchmarking by requirement level comes into this. We're not always the greatest fans of uh, you know benchmarking, but I think. If someone else is handling problems and complaints a lot higher, a lot better, or providing more satisfaction than you are, is there something you can learn from them? If you're already um, above average, just realistically, how much can you do it better? Yeah. And I, I, I think that's that's another bit. Because I think it is that little bit of black magic identifying what you're picking for the priority used for improvement and coming up with suggestions, usually mm -hmm. via things that customers have said, to us, it's that little bit of black magic that changes it from being a research report to being a business yeah. report, a bit of management information that's going to change an organisation. I think the other thing that I think it particularly applies on the business to business side is, although it's right to look for kind of organisational priorities for improvement, you know, across the board, what yeah. do we systematically need to change? Realistically, in a business to business. Um, sort of customer feedback, you also need to look at an individual case-by-case -case basis. Um, because it's, it's just pragmatically, yeah. most organisations have some sort of a kind of 80-20 type yeah. of uh, situation with their clients. Yeah. Just and realistically, some people matter more than others. So we could alter the phrase to doing best what matters most to those who matter most. Mm. And that would seem to be a very sensible thing to do in a business-to-business -business, Yeah, I mean, um, essential market. really, yeah. Yeah. And, and that usually, at one level, we talk organisationally about priorities for improvement, but certainly in B2B scenarios, having action plans by individual customers mm -hmm. um, using the same criteria that you've analysed and you've mentioned there in terms of what's important and how satisfied they, you know, they are, that often has um, you know, really good use as, as well at the sort of key account management um, level too. Just wanted to, to pick up quickly on, on the whole idea of priorities for improvement, really, because it, it, funny enough, kind of, kind of ties in with the Pareto thing again, that it, we've just recently, for TLF Book Club, we've, we've done uh, Hans Rosling's book, Factfulness, right. um, which I would hugely recommend. It's a brilliant book. But one of the many things he, he sort of advocates as a way to approach problems is 
the 80-20 rule is, is kind of one of his go-to methods for analysing a situation and thinking about it. And actually, it, it very much applies to priorities for improvement, doesn't it? Yeah. And you look at customer feedback, 80% of our problems are probably caused by 20% of the, the kind of stuff we do for customers. That's really what a priority for improvement is. Yeah. And then within each one, probably 80% of the problems on each priority for improvement are probably caused by the same you know, small number of, prob of things that keep going wrong within that area, whatever it might be. Um, and I think that, you know, that's just to wanted to mention it really, that, that that's the theory is, you know, tackle the big stuff first and then, then worry about the little bits and pieces. Absolutely. And I find it's often easier in year two when you know what the priorities for improvement were from year one. You can really then start altering your questionnaire to get some really good feedback because rather than asking lots of questions about everything, you can really focus on last time's priorities for improvement. Mm. Have you seen this go up or change or gone down? Why'd you say this? Let's have a whole probing section on, on, on this. Have you experienced this? If so, how, when, why? You know, and I think particularly if a year one survey is about establishing what the priorities for improvement are and putting you know, some action plans in place. Year two can really come along with a load of um, voice of the customer, lens of the customer, but a load of really good things saying, this is how customers are seeing that. I'm trying to avoid using the word customer journeys here. <laughs> but you can really see it from the customers. And I think that could be a really good moment for saying, okay, yeah, we've started on this, on these improvement plans. Here's a lot more information on this is what you need to do to change from a seven to a seven and eight to a nine or a ten in the you know in the customer's opinion. Yeah, I definitely think evolving your survey to dig into the PFIs is a a really good idea, and b it, it sort of shows that you're thinking the right way. That we're not going to fix the PFIs by next year, uh, so don't expect to don't you should expect these still pretty much to be the PFIs in year two. So you will want to do some more digging. Yeah. Uh, I think that it shows that you've kind of mentally. Uh, accepted the fact that this is, you know, changing these big PFIs, it's probably a sort of medium-term thing, not, not a short-term thing. Well, that seems a really good place to finish on Priorities for Improvement. We wanted to keep it short and snappy. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you're using iTunes, please subscribe, rate and review us. And if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at tlfresearch.com. And we'll be back next month with more ideas for turning your customer insight into impact and action. Thank you.